Hello, hello, Sunflower Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in today for our next edition of Ladies in Leadership. Today, I have a former colleague and friend with me, uh, Ms. Damaris Ortega, joining us. Please give her a warm welcome to the nation. So Damaris, thank you again for joining us. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now and tell us where you are? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it is my pleasure to be part of um, this great podcast. Um, actually, my name is Tamari Soltega, and I am a natural born leader. That's what I always say. Um, I was born um, in the area of New York City. Um, I come from... Um, parents that are Puerto Rican, born and raised in Puerto Rico, um, came into the um, downstate area of New York um, in the 70s. And they came in um, looking for better opportunities, um, better employment. And as they grew their family, um, they wanted better education for their children. And along that path, um, we moved into the Hudson Valley um, which introduced me to some great experiences, right, educational-wise. And then about the early 90s, we moved into the Rochester, New York area. Um, of course, my father looking for better opportunities, being that our um, jobs were being outsourced during that time. Um, and again, just striving for better living for us. Um, we came to the Rochester area. I went to high school here for a short while, um, being a teenager and wanting my wanting to make my own decisions in life. Um, I decided to move back into the New York City area. I became a teenage mom at that time, right? Um, just exploring the world and really not knowing anything. But as I explored my journey and became an, a, a woman, um, learned that um, education was going to be best for me and was going to get me to the places that I dreamed about okay. and, um, you know, and help me um, guide myself, right? And so- Tell me a little uh, bit about how old were you when you became a teenage mom? I was 16 years old. Okay. 16. Um, yes. Obviously still living with your parents. Correct. How did they respond to that? Oh, I thought I was going to be murdered because, <laughs> of course, <laughs> because, because of course I was warned, right? That, um, you know, these things happen, right? That if once you have a boyfriend and you don't obey by policies at home and you know you're not obeying your parents these things are going to happen right not necessarily that they taught us about sex because that wasn't mentioned but it was that hey you get a boyfriend you're gonna end up pregnant you're not gonna be in school no more and there goes your future um so of course it was very difficult very very difficult i remember telling my mom for the very first time which I knew she knew it, right? Because moms know things. Um, I remember entering about a week before I told her and she looked me up and down and I knew she knew it. So I couldn't hide it anymore. And when I told her, the first thing she said is that, you know, your father's not going to want you here. Mm -hmm. So you're going to, you know, figure out a way to defend yourself. And of course, me being 15 at the time, you know, I got it all planned. I have a boyfriend, him and I are in love. 
we are going to become parents and we know better, <laughs> you, you know? But um, it was a challenge because I was so embarrassed that I hid from my dad for nine months. Wow. He got me pregnant. Um, and I remember him knowing that I was at a cousin's house and he would come around there because I know he wanted to see his daughter pregnant or wanting to know what I was doing or how I was doing, but I hid. So he knew old. you were pregnant. Did yes, you ever tell him or did your mom tell him? She ended up telling him. I never told him. Wow. Hid for nine months until my daughter was about 20 days old. And um, her father said, nope, I'm going to be the man and I'm taking her to your father. And um, my dad met my daughter, his grandchild. And then, of course, you know, I went home and everything was kind of accepted. And, and, you know, I knew then that I had to prove to them that I was never going to commit that mistake again. And that I was going to continue being the child um, that they wanted me to be and the expectations that they adhered for me, right? Because, you know, they were hard workers and all they preached home was that we want you to be better than us. So fast forward, mm -hmm. somehow you end that up in college, right? <laughs> Which means... So you had to have some type of support along the way. So I'm assuming your parents came around. Of course, of course. And um, yes, I decided to go back into, even though I lived in the New York City area, my parents would always come and visit me. And they always provided a way for um, my child and myself, along with her father at the time, um, to come visit them. And, you know, we were family, you know, all that so at was 16. When you had the baby, you were still living with your parents. I was not living with my parents because remember I had to leave. Oh, so you my did have said, to leave. Your your mother did make you leave. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she did. Oh, she did. So I went in and lived with my boyfriend at the time and his parents. And they were and okay with that? They were fine with that. Yeah, they were fine with that. Um, you know, they always knew, right? I'm a good girl. She doesn't bring drama. She's okay. We'll love her. We'll love the baby. And, um, but I guess, you know, once the baby was born, my parents had a change of heart. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is, is that boyfriend still around? Actually, he isn't. Um, we ended up, um, moving our own separate ways at the age of 20, because at that age, I knew that, um, I wanted to, um, pursue my goals and my career and my education. I'm sorry, I have some dogs back there. Okay. And um and I went back to school. I went back to school, even though through 16, 17, 18, I completed my high school years. And um at 20, I was like, I need some education. I went back to school. My parents supported me. Um, of course, the baby was in school, but when that time came that she wasn't in school. I would send her to Rochester in order for my parents to support me. And, you know, they've always supported me. Um, I am the eldest. And as my siblings grew older, they always supported me as well. Mm -hmm. Nice to have that family support. Yes. Definitely helpful.
<laughs> so did you um, complete high school? So I did complete. Um, no, I actually got a GED through a program um, that was going to grant me an associate's degree. But life happens, right? And that boyfriend, the father of my child and I separated. He went his own way. I stay there. And of course, then I start, started struggling financially because the man was my child and I. I paid rent. I lived in Queens. Back then, rent was $600, right? And I believe the minimum wage was seven something. All right. Um, so let's put this in perspective for the listeners. How old is your daughter now? So my daughter right now is 31 years old. Okay. So yeah. We're talking 31 years ago, $600 yes. rent. I know if people are hearing this right now, they're like, oh, send me yes. the address so I can go there. <laughs> but um, so we're talking 31 years ago, right? So $600 rent yes. 31 years ago is pretty hefty. That's a pretty big amount of rent to, to have to manage on your own uh, with a small child. So tell us a little yes. bit about that process. So, um, because of going through a rough um, separation with her father, um, based on the decisions that he wanted to make in life, um, we weren't getting along. So, um, I have a deep faith based in which, you know, I believe in God and always knew that I can persevere through anything, right? My resilience. Um, I would look for jobs that were in education. That way I can bring my daughter along while I work. And of course, I have three jobs. I held down three jobs. Um, two of them, I can bring my daughter to the job. One of them, I couldn't. Um, but during the time that I had to work, that third job was during the summer. And of course, I would send my daughter to my parents who continue to help me. Um, you know, that way I can succeed and um, accomplish what I had to accomplish. So I oftentimes hear um, moms talk about mommy guilt. I know I that's something I definitely have experienced myself. So I can't imagine sending my baby away for the whole summer. Um, how did you feel and cope with that? Um, so first of all, I knew that she was sick, right? She was with my parents. Um, secondly, it's because I had to work. I had to work, you so know. You saw the bigger I, picture. You were able to. Correct. The I saw picture. the bigger picture. I knew that I already had been a statistic, right? Becoming a teenage mom at 16. I knew I was a statistic that I didn't complete high school. I knew I was a statistic that um, I had to collect food stamps, right? And go to welfare at times and depend on the government and ins medical insurance, so because of those reasons, I didn't want to continue being a statistic. And I worked very, very hard and saved all my money, paid all my bills. Um, but the mommy guilt, yes, of course, was always there, right? Because I knew I was a teenage mom. I was still learning things. I was still a baby. You know, how can a baby take care of another baby? And um, because of those reasons, you know, I worked hard. I worked hard. I worked really, really hard. But the guilt was always there. How am I going to raise my baby 
to not follow the same steps, you know, or, or commit the same burdens that I've committed. All right. So, <laughs> I see you getting emotional, but, um, you know, when, when I, I, I didn't know the backstory, right. You know, there's something called, uh, the iceberg effect. You see the top of the iceberg and you like, wow, it's so beautiful, but you don't know all that's underneath. Right. And so a lot of times people just see the finished product. They see you a professional woman doing your thing. You have two beautiful girls and they're doing great. And so people just assume, oh man, she got a good life and you do have a good life, but they don't necessarily know what you had to do to get to where you are. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are now? So I am actually back in Rochester, <laughs> New York. I relocated back here seven years ago based on some challenges and many changes. Again, that resurfaced in my life. Um, but right now I am in a leadership role at a charter school that's been in existence for 23 years in the Rochester community. Um, I started there six years ago in a coordinator role and which um, helped me initiate a lot of things. You know, I learned how to be interim principal, interim vice principal, interim counselor, interim this. Um, I eventually ended up getting a business degree and being, you know, I guess having that business degree and of course um, also involving myself with a lot of leadership allowed me to initiate a lot of things within my job. Um, after five years, which was last June, I wanted to focus. And my focus was that um, being that I had come from a college um, background for a couple of years and I enjoyed it and I loved it and I saw the benefits that um, student services right um, provides, I wanted to go back in there. And of course they granted me that position and they granted me the opportunity. And right now I am in a college career readiness liaison and which provides me the opportunity to continue educating parents um, and students and the community. And um, what brings me most joy is the impact mm. that I am, right? And, and also through that impact, you know, being very transparent that I was there. I was in your shoes. I know it very well. And you can do it. And you can have a future. And you can make it. You think I don't know what life is about? Let me tell you some things, you know? Mm. So that's and I'm loving it. That's mm -hmm. awesome. That is awesome. That's a that's an awesome journey. And we 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 missed the whole middle part of it, right? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that you said um, that really speaks to me is the fact that you love what you're doing because you know you're making an impact. Um, so you're doing work that's important to you, I'm assuming. Correct. Yeah, work that I love, that right. I enjoy. Now, and do I enjoy people that I work with or, you know... <laughs> That's a different story. That. <laughs> Leave that for another episode. But um, in your new role, 
Was that something you advocated for that you went and said, listen, I would like to do this? Or was there opening? Did they come to you? How did that um, turn out for you? How did that all unfold? So um, within my role before this position, again, I initiated a lot of things that um, weren't um, implemented. And most of my initiations were parent education and student services um, that would guide them, right, to seeing a better future. And th that that was the conversations I kept having throughout the years. You know, help me, Miss Ortega. Guide me, Miss Ortega. What do I do next, Miss Ortega? So at the end of last year, um, which prior I had asked, you know, you know, can you guys help me develop? You know, this is a focus that I would like, which is continue to teaching, to teach our, our community. And, um, you know, in some organizations, you get the backlash or whatever. But I took the initiative to resign because I wasn't seeing myself gearing to that um, goal. And when I um, sent in my resignation letter, one of the leaders immediately called me and said, why are you leaving? And there I got the opportunity to express what I wanted, what I wanted to initiate, what I felt that the school community needed. And um, we worked on it. And I'm glad that she believed in me mm -hmm. and she gave me the opportunity um, to create this new position, brand new, and has entrusted me to lead this um, according to my skills and my knowledge and the education um, that I have and the initiatives that I have put in place. And um, it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. Um, but I reap it, right? Um, for an example, the other day, a student um, that I know when I walked in, um, in September, and I said, oh, we're all going to college this year. Oh, we are all going to college. And she said, I'm not going to college. I have a job already. My job's going to help me grow there. And we got her $90,000 in scholarships wow. for one college, $74,000 for another, $64,000 for another, $18,000 for another. And her whole mindset has changed. She is a college-bound student right now. She is ready to move in to college, ready to start that journey. And so these are the things that, you know, um, that um, make me excited, <laughs> that keep me happy. So you're mm -hmm. not just a leader. You're also a visionary. That's really what Her. I took from that. You had a vision. Yeah. Did you have another job lined up before you resigned? I did not. So you are a risk taker too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did no, not. No, I love that. I love that. There's so much mm -hmm. to take from that because so often um, we find ourselves stuck, you know, and wanting to do something different and wanting to grow. And the people around us may not necessarily always have the same vision for us. Um, and they try and keep us in a position um, because maybe you're doing such a good job at it that they don't want to let you go. Um, and so you being bold enough to say, no, like I really want to do something different. And 
taking that risk on yourself. You bet on yourself and you won. You know, you resigned. And these people called you back and said, no, we can't lose you. We cannot lose you. What do you want? What do you need to stay here? And for you to be able to have a vision, um, be able to uh, express that vision and share that vision with other people and see it come to fruition is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And, you know, when you share your story of where you've come from, you know, very humble beginnings and teenage mom. And we haven't even talked about, you know, the whole middle section. I know there's more there, um, you know, to now be able to really start your own program at a school that's, you know, been in existence for 20 plus years. is pretty remarkable. It's, you should really be proud of what you're doing. Thanks. So let's talk Thanks. about that middle section, right? Ooh, that middle <laughs> section. So, it's like the middle got child. Your GED. <laughs> <laughs> got your GED. Um, struggling to make it, but you're you're doing what you need to do to survive, working three jobs. At that point, I'm imagining you're in your 20s. Correct. Right. Because you said you stayed 20. with your um your ex for about five years. So you were 20, right? Yeah. So we were, yeah seven years actually okay so, so you're like 22 ish yep 22 ish okay all right so yes. what happened how did did you get comfortable did you land did you stop working three jobs mm-hmm. I know you said you so, went to college so at what point did that happen yeah so I went to college and of course I couldn't keep up with college because finance was more important at the moment I was a single parent I had a five, six-year-old at the time and um, coming from being very protective, right? And um, not wanting, you know, or not entrusting anyone with my child. Um, And again, that mommy guilt, right? If, you know, if anything happens or anything, you know, I got to be the best parent I can be, right? All the time. I got to be the best parent I can be. I have to, you know, make a difference. I, my child cannot grow up like I have. And and just having those constant thoughts, right? Uh, of, Of knowing that I cannot repeat the same cycle or my child cannot repeat the same cycle. Um, I kept working and working. And then, of course, life takes its course and I meet someone again. And then um, this person was a provider, right? He comes into my life as a provider and you no longer have to work. And you can be a home at stay mom. And um, that's what happened. So I stayed home and I ended up having another child and starting a family, you know, and um, stayed together for 18 years. Wow. 18 so years. Wait, let's let's just do yeah. um, a little timeline. So you yes. and your ex broke up 22-ish. How mm-hmm. old were you when you met um, the new gentleman? I was 24. Okay, so, so about two yeah. years later. Okay. Yeah. And then you guys got together and um, he was providing for you. You were enjoying life. You had another baby. She's beautiful. You're in love with her. And I'm 26. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a grown woman, right? 
And it wasn't anything like when I had my child when I was a teenager. Um, very different, right? Very prepared as a woman to um, take care of my children and, um, you know, take care of my house, you know, and be a provider as well to my husband at the time. So 10 years okay. later, you know, your, your kids are 10 years, 10 year age gap. Correct. Nine and a half. All right. mm -hmm. So yep, 10 years, so um, you're a different person, right? You're not that baby raising a baby. You're now a grown woman who knows what she's doing, raising her baby, taking care of her 10 year old and mm -hmm. taking care of her husband. Correct. So life is good. Life is good. Life is good. I get to stay home. I get to cook clean. I get to, you know, be part of PTOs. I get to be part of my baby's life all the time. I don't have to send her away to a daycare. Um, I don't have to send her away to my parents anymore um, in order to support me. I don't need my younger sibling to come and visit me in order to support me babysit. So, you know, it was good. It was really, really good. It was an a great time at the moment. Yeah. So you say at the moment, that means there was a, a pivot at some Correct. point. Tell us about yeah. that if you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay with sharing that. I wasn't okay with sharing it um, about five years ago. Um, I've gone through some processes that have um, come to light and um, have given me, and I say like this opportunity here, right, to speak about it and to to um, let it out, like I say, right? Let it out, not ashamed of it anymore. Um, so of course the baby's born and she's growing and the baby's heading to five years old. My other baby is heading to 15 years old, high school. Um, I'm getting bored. I'm getting bored because, you know, now I've done everything and um, I want to go back to school. And I want to actually get my degrees now because this is something that I've always wanted to do for myself. Um, in the midst of that, um, I didn't know how much power someone had over me, right? I did not know or wasn't aware that um, me staying home and being a wife and, you know, a stay-at-home mom... Um, was actually part of the plan of someone controlling me. And so when I decided to make decisions for myself, which were, it's time for me to go back to school, finish my degree, the kids are going to get older, I'm still young, right? Um, what's going to be, you know, how is my future going to look like when the babies are 20, 25 years old? What am I going to be? You know, who am I going to be? What am I going to feel like? Who do I want to be? So you decide um, you're going back to school. I decide I'm going back to school and um, challenges became going back to school. Apparently made this individual feel as if I'm working on myself and getting better. And um, many fights started. A lot of disappointments. Um, I will go to school and that, you know, while I was at school, I'll be in my own element. When I get home, you know, I will be accused of things, you know, 
you're dating someone, you know, um, what are you doing at school? You really aren't in school. What are you going to school for? You're already 25, 26, 27 years old, whatever it was, you know, who are you going to become? You're an old woman already. Um, so a lot of discouragement, a lot of verbal abuse um, started happening. Um, within that, because of course, you know, I'm getting educated. Um, I started realizing that that behavior wasn't normal. And not only was it coming from just you wanting to control, there has to be other things involved. And of course, I knew he was an occasional drinker and of course, a gambler and someone who's in control, right? Because he's in control. He pays all the bills. He takes care of me. He takes care of my other child who's he's adapted as his own. He takes care of the baby. There's nothing that I can ask for that wouldn't be given to me. Um, there wasn't anything that I needed. Honestly, if it came down to financial, um, food, shelter, there wasn't anything that wasn't provided for me by him. But the day that I determined to better myself, things changed. Mm. So how, how long after you started school did that major shift happen? So it, so I got through my associates and um, no, um, I scheduled my classes during the times that the babies were in school. And since, you know, he was someone that managed his life the way he did, um, he lived the nightlife. Mm. So I knew that as long as the babies were in school, and he thought that I was at PTO or volunteering somewhere. So I took advantage of going to school. And I would always schedule my classes around the baby schedules. That way, when they got out of school, I would be at home as well. So he didn't even know you were in school? He did not know I was in school for the entirety of my associate's degree. Um he didn't even come to my graduation because I didn't know how to tell him that I completed my associates. Um, of course, things always resurfaced because the kids talked, right? And um, I was afraid for some things, but I wasn't afraid for other things. And I'm saying that as such, if he found out about it, you know, yeah, I was saying, and, and yeah, I did it. And you know, I would have to deal with the verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. I would have to deal with the condescending behaviors that came beyond that verbal abuse. I would have to deal with days him not showing up at the house because he's upset at me that I'm bettering myself. Um, but I continued, you know, I continue striving. Um, I met a wonderful mentor there, which is you. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and um, I continue to see a vision. I continue to see a vision. And the vision was that whether I stay in this relationship or not, I need to become someone better and educated for my kid's purpose, for my children's purpose. That way they would never endure and, and go through the things 
that I've gone through. And if when they do, I will be prepared to guide them and help them through it. Mm. So that was that was my 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 stickler, you know, and nothing kept me from that. Also, I got involved in school. You know, I, I was involved in the clubs and volunteering, um, work study, even at the age of almost 30 now, you know, because I was now going on 30 during that time. A lot of challenges at home um, through those years, um, mental illness, hmm. partner I had, um, a lot of violence, a lot of fights, mm-hmm. um, a lot of um, fear. At times, I would have to stay at hotels. I would run away with the girls, you know, to a friend's house and hide there. I would come up to Rochester sometimes when I had the chance. And so, of course, I couldn't hide it anymore. The family knew, friends knew. Um, it started impacting me my last year in school. Um, but I persevered and I finished. Um, and there were times that you know, you know, abusers, right? They they uh, manipulate. So there were times that he would apologize, and he would talk. Yes, I'm proud of you, and yes, I'm 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 glad that you're going to school. But there were other many many times where I was being accused of doing other things in school besides getting an education that were totally insane and absurd because that's not who I was. That's not who I am. You know, what's but crazy is um, a lot of times I, I've heard people say, you know, how can you be um, this strong woman who um, has a, a teenage baby and, you know, gets through that, you know, um, go into this relationship and allow somebody, um, allow yourself to get into this type of a situation. And, you know, I always give the analogy that if you knew on the first day, obviously you wouldn't stay, right? If you go on a date with a guy and he punches you in the eye, you know, at the end of the day, you're never going to date him again, right? But that's not what he does. He makes you fall in love with him, right? You have a baby for him, right? You have a family now. You're invested, right? So it's not so easy to just say, okay, I'm walking away doesn't work that way. Correct. And so you had to figure out how to navigate this situation. So ultimately Correct. what, what ended up happening? Because I know you said you're back in Rochester now. Yeah. So ultimately, of course I finished school. I was very fortunate to um, get a career at the school um, that I graduated from. Um, because of the bridges that I built there, the connections that I made, the student who I was, you know, right. um, spite of everything else that was going on personally in my life. Um, again, I was fortunate to to land a job immediately right. after I graduated. Um, within that organization, yeah, they helped develop me. And, um, you know, I, I had a career, right? And I was educated. And um, because of that, I I hung on to that. Of course, things got worse at home. Mm. Of course. Um, The mental illness was very, very difficult for me to deal with. Um, There were hospitals, you know, stays, um, order of protections, um, 
a lot of lying. A lot of lying. Um, I had to teach my daughters how to lie to get through our day. Um, but one day I heard a voice, right? And the voice said, you have to leave mm. or you're going to be mentally ill. And the reason for it is because I was coping with alcohol. Mm. And every single day I would end my day with drinking alcohol and drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol led to me becoming irritable and aggressive to my own children. And when those occasions will happen, of course, the next day when I get up, my children are different with me. So now I'm hurting. Mm. Now I'm verbally abusing. Now I'm mentally abusing. Of course, I didn't remember what would happen because, you know, I was coping. Um, and the guilt, the guilt of wanting to die because I was hurting my children. Not only had I hurt them by allowing this relationship to go on, now only was I hurting because I exposed them to a lot of abuse and a lot of instabilities and a lot of um, insecurities. Um, it was driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. And um, I wasn't stable. And I remember that in one of those visits in which he was in the hospital and CPS was called. Again, statistics, domestic violence. Wow. Yes. Here I am. Statistics, statistics, statistics. And I'm educated now and I'm still going through this, right? But through that journey, I learned, right, that it takes seven times for the abuser, right? Yeah. And just learned all these things and, you know, just adapting it. And one time hearing that voice, that inner voice saying, just drop everything and leave. Hmm. Just take that risk. Just take that risk. And, you know, of course, the back thoughts were like, but you have a good job. You're going to grow. The kids are in good schools right now. You know, my big one had just graduated high school. Um, you know, the little one was entering, you know, um, middle school. You know, a lot of changes were going on with them, you know. And now here I am going through my own issue. And I just had to take that risk. And the risk was leaving the house and when I did that of course there was a lot of lot of um chaos that went on um again hiding order of protections um the lying right if he wanted to see the kids the kids couldn't you know had to lie to him where they were at or just just continued on survival mode because that's where we were on survival mode, but because I couldn't continue to live on survival mode anymore, I took the risk and came up to Rochester, not knowing what, what was going to happen. But coming up here, um, you know, I strived a lot of depression, a lot of anxieties, a lot of drinking, mm. a lot of self-hurt 
self guilt. Um, I've been manipulating myself. I say I call it at times, but through that, right, I kept persevering because I always say that I know better. I know better, and knowing better, I started seeking coping skills, which were therapy, going to church, um, sacrificing things. You know, nope, you will not drink. Nope, you will not. You will not do that. You will not do that. Um, and and being honest to my daughters, at that point, no longer hiding. No longer lies. We're going to be very transparent because we came here for a change. They didn't like it, but I kept believing that keep doing what you're going to do. And um life will take it life will take its course and you're gonna reap the benefits. And here I am. Hmm. You know, a lot of women can relate and soothe themselves with wine every night. And I think um, a lot of people are in denial about um, their reliance on that alcohol. Correct. At what point did you feel like you knew you had a problem? Um, I couldn't um, go to sleep without alcohol. Um, I can function during the day, but I couldn't go to sleep without alcohol. And then um, let me just retract. Um, coming up here wasn't an easy transition either. Because remember, um, he was even more angry when I left the house. And I left my job. And, you know, the blame was that I destroyed our family. And he would continue coming up here. And order protections had to come. And the girls were bigger now. And um, everything that I tried to hide them from, I could no longer hide them from. And um, he would take trips up here and um, hide and follow me. Um, he even found out where I worked at. And you know, when the girls started noticing this behavior, then they knew for sure that the problem was him, it wasn't mommy. Because in, within the manipulation, he would say that it was my fault, I destroyed the family. Um, I tried every night. I would say, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And of course I drank. Um, but I became aware. I became aware of my drinking, right? Like, wow, I'm I'm drinking. Because before I wasn't, it was like, so I'm drinking. And so, you know, this is what I need, right? I started becoming aware and, and being in tune. And one day um, he called the girls and he was like, I'm going up there. I need to see you guys. Right. I felt he was coming up here to kill me. Mm. And I felt like that was it for me. He's coming up here and this is going to become a tragedy. 
I didn't want to say that to anybody. But again, I was very aware just um, educating myself, right? What abusers do, right? What happens to victims, you know, domestic violence, mm -hmm. you know, tragedies. And um, yeah, he came up and, you know, I, I hid for the weekend. I hid. He visited the girls. And um, when he went back home, um, he did have a gun. And he shot someone else. And he went to jail. So when he went to jail, I felt free. And that's when the real power kicked in. And I admitted that I had an issue. And I admitted that I was an alcoholic. And I admitted that I needed a lot of help. A lot of help. So coming to terms with that, what type of support did you get? Who were your, your major resources? So of course my parents again, right? Good Even though they were now elders. count on them. <laughs> of course my mom. And who always would listen to me, right? Always listener, just a listener. And so I will go there and just spend, you know, and my dad one day said, you're going to be fine, girl. You're going to be fine. You're back home with us. You're going to be fine. So I held on to that. And, um, and I loved my girls. I fell in love with them again. And I rebuilt our relationship. And I was very honest all the time and am very honest. And um, and just talked a lot, talked a lot, and I went and got myself a PCP. That um, a behavioral specialist, right? And um, she helped me through a lot of channels and continues to help me. When I don't see her for more than three months, she shoots me a message <laughs> through the um, you know, medical chart, whatever. Like I need to see you. I need to see you. Um, and just telling myself, stop hiding. Stop keeping it in. You're not the only one. Yes, you are a victim. You have been victimized. Now it's time to repair. Mm. And of course, my outlets continue to be a therapist in church, um, podcast, um, listening to great music, and I'm falling in love with the earth, which takes me on long walks, and appreciating the trees, the flowers, the sun, the moon, the clouds, the birds, and um, knowing that I come from nature, and that I have to continue being natural and being natural does not mean um, mental illness does not mean alcohol does not mean dependency does not mean fear does not mean um condescending to myself and so here i am yeah you are
here you are. Yes, here I am. You made it. I have. I imagine I have. it's still a struggle every day. It is a struggle every day. It is. But I have learned to constantly remind myself of where I come from, the challenges that I've gone through, the impact that I'm making. Mm. Uh, it was all for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I'm so grateful. Very, very grateful. My 31-year-old owns her own home. She has a fiancé. She's a beautiful woman. She's my best friend. My 22-year-old, <laughs> very educated woman, decided to get married on me this summer. <laughs> but to a wonderful husband, a fireman. Um, I've created. Do any of them have children yet? No, they don't. You broke they that don't. generational curse. And they both graduated from high school. They both have a degree. They both own their own homes. They both have a career. They both are with gentlemen that have a career. They both are with gentlemen that aren't afraid to love their mother-in-law and to seek guidance from their mother-in-law, which makes me so happy. And um, and my daughters aren't afraid. They don't live in fear anymore. Um, they don't worry about their mother anymore because I had developed a sense that they had to be worried about me. And I didn't know that. And I don't ever want them to be worried about me. I want them to see me as the woman that I am, as the mother that I have been to them. I'm a strong woman, a reliable woman, someone that's going to continue to be educated, someone that's going to continue to give back, to care, to love, to have empathy. So, again, here I am. You made it. Yes. Wow. Like I said, the iceberg, right? You see yeah. this beautiful woman, two amazing daughters, both doing well for themselves. You don't know the backstory. Correct. But despite that backstory, look how beautiful you came out. The iceberg. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely the iceberg. Thank you. And I wake up every single day. Being grateful, first of all, no longer having those fears. Um, that abuser has come out a couple of months ago. I am no longer fearful of that abuser. I no longer feel as if I have to look over my shoulder, you know, because I believe that I proved to that abuser that he wasn't going to abuse me anymore no more Damaris you have an amazing story and I think your strength radiates even in your ability just to share it thank you 
thank you. You're welcome. So I'll ask you this last question. If you had to advise other teenage moms who are coming up, who may be thinking, I'm not going to be able to make it. This is too hard. What advice would you give to that 16-year-old? Action conquers fear. So as long as you're taking action, those fears will not exist. Continue taking action. And taking action positively. Taking action sometimes with taking risk. Right? Holding yourself accountable. Being very honest to yourself. Facing your truth. And knowing that there is a future out there and that there is hope. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for this. Um, I know for sure that my listeners are going to um, take so much from your story. And that's what um, this podcast is all about. It's about sharing the journey so people know that they are not alone that there is someone else experiencing what they're experiencing and they can come out on the other side, which you have. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, Damaris. Um, you were an absolute pleasure uh, to have on the show today. We definitely uh, are taking a lot of your advice and your journey to help us continue to grow. May your heart be filled with the brightest of sunflowers, even on the cloudiest of days. This is Dr. Edith Banks with the Sunflower Nation sending you love and positive vibes. Till next time.